Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Hey everybody, it's Devin. Just a quick warning that this episode includes descriptions and sounds of police violence. Almost 10 years ago in the early morning hours of New Year's Day, Oscar Grant was shot and killed by a BART police officer, Johannes Messerly. The shooting was one of the first caught on cell phone video and spread around the world. We're also ushering in a decade that will show us and reveal to us just how racist policing is by its very nature in this country. And of course, that begins on that morning in those first hours of 2009. The shooting of Oscar Grant caught on video began a decade of fighting back against police killings and reversing the racist narratives that are imposed on people of color. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to The Bay. Oscar Grant was killed 10 years ago, and, you know, a lot has happened in that 10 years. Sandia Dirks covers race and equity for KQED. 10 years ago, we didn't say Black Lives Matter. 10 years ago, when we saw a Black person interacting with police, we didn't take out our cell phones and film that interaction. 10 years ago, a lot of police didn't have body cameras. So also 10 years ago, it's New Year's Day 2009, and this was right after Barack Obama, 47 years old, Barack was Obama elected has president. just been elected president. Of the United States. And everyone is saying, we're post-racial now. When Barack Obama was elected president four years ago, there was a great deal of talk about America finally reaching past the racial divide. I think any talk of it being a post-racial America after my election was never realistic. I think it was. But that was a lot of that talk, though. Well, you know, I I think, in fact, that talk was not only uh, naive, but I think uh, uh, created some problems down the road. So it's New Year's Day, 2 o'clock in the morning. On Bart. Oscar and his friends are coming back from San Francisco. They've been in the city. They're heading back towards Hayward, and the train stops at Fruitvale Station. There's been a call in to Bart that there was a fight on the train, and so Bart police start to arrive at the scene. Oscar and his friends, a few other people, they get pulled off the train. They get seated up against the wall. When these guys get pulled off the train, people start recording. People pull out their flip phones, their flip phones, and start taking video. And that has never really happened before, but it's happening in this moment. And then things begin to escalate. 
There's yelling. Apparently, some people say there's racist language. The N-word gets used by the police officer. Oscar Grant, at some point, jumps up. He sits back down. He gets thrown onto the concrete on his stomach. His arms are restrained. There's one officer that's sort of restraining him and another officer that's standing above him. That's Johannes Messerly. You see this in the video. You see Johannes Messerly pull out his gun, sort of lean back a little bit, and fire. And you hear the shot so clearly. Everything else falls silent around the shot. And then people start screaming. He shot him. He shot him. And you realize that basically what you've just watched is someone dying right in front of you. Right after the shooting happens, Messerly says he thought Oscar was going for a gun. The story that Messerly tells at the trial that he will begin to start telling a few weeks later is that he never meant to reach for his gun at all. What he meant to reach for was his taser. The decision I made was to tase Mr. Grant. It wasn't to shoot him. The account that you just mentioned, most of it can be seen in this video. And I think we need to talk about this video because this is one of the pivotal moments. There's more than one video, right? There's several videos of this. What do we know about the people who shot the video? We know that the family got a phone call very shortly after. Sandia interviewed some members of Oscar Grant's family recently, including his mom, Wanda Johnson. One of the young ladies who videotaped. She called, she got a hold of us, and said she had a videotape of what happened and that Oscar shouldn't have died. And we told her, just take it to the media then, you know. And that's what she did, and then it started coming on television. One witness captured the actual shooting with a cell phone, which you'll see only on Channel 2. This is the Fruitvale Bar Station at 2 a.m. New Year's Day, as captured on video by 19-year-old Karina Vargas. Even contacting the family after recording a police shooting like that, I feel like would be rare today. I feel like this kind of video might just go out immediately on social media. Well, this is the first time cell phone video gets used. There have been police shootings of unarmed black men for a long, 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 long time. And so seeing this was a big deal. But what else did it do that changed kind of the course of how we think about police shootings? People got to see a moment of police violence with their own eyes. Had there been no video, the officers would have spent it like they wanted to spin it. So it wasn't a story we heard. It wasn't the first time people had even reacted to police violence before or the shootings of unarmed black men by police officers. But it was the first time we saw it. Oftentimes people believe, oh, they're police officers. They're not going to do any wrong. They're always right. And now there's video to prove, hey, wait a minute, let me stop and think. This guy's walking away or running away and he gets shot in the back and it's videotaped. Oscar's lying on the ground and he gets shot in the back. Maybe my feelings of what I believed, how the police were always right and at a higher respectable level than I am, may have changed now. What does the family remember about how they learned that Oscar had been shot? So um, his mom is at home. It's New Year's Eve. So I was at home actually in our living room watching TV. I had the TV on. And she gets a phone call from Oscar's girlfriend. I jumped up. She just said Oscar had been shot. 
And so I said, well, where are you? And she still said, still at the BART station. She doesn't know what happened. She goes to the hospital. Um, his friends are there. They started telling me he wasn't even doing nothing. He was laying down. I said, what do you mean? And that's where she finds out that he's been shot by a police officer. A police shot him and they, you know, started telling me. And so I just started crying at that time. And um, I said, let's pray. And we started praying. So I find out he's been shot. We have prayer. And I want to go back and see him. So there's two officers sitting there. They said, no, I couldn't go back. I said, oh, no, you're going to let me see my son. I don't care who you got to call, but I'm going to, you killed my son. I'm going to see him. She actually gets to see Oscar. Oscar was hooked up to all kind of machines, and I touched him and prayed with him and cried over him. There's tubes everywhere. He's... He's bleeding. The hole in his back is so big that every time they try to do a blood transfusion and fill him with blood, the blood comes out. It was a scene that no parent wants to see. She goes to pray in the chapel. Um, hospital uh, administrator comes to get, get her and says, come now. And he's declared dead at Highland Hospital, the same place that he's born. I, I, I just said, well, Lord, I know that you knew uh, what his best destination would be, and that's with you. We cried, we hugged, we cried, we hugged. And we just um, started talking about all the memories with Oscar. And I just said, why? Why did he have to shoot him? What was he doing that was so horrific or so disrespectful or so... What was he doing to cause him to take out his gun and shoot my son for nothing? For nothing. And I, I just could not believe it. I, I just could not believe it. How quickly does the word spread that Oscar died the way he died? And and then what happens in Oakland after that? It spreads slower than we can imagine today, but quicker than was imaginable at the time. And the protests begin almost instantly. In many ways, uh, the protests of the Black Panther movement were also about over-policing in Black neighborhoods. And this was sort of a dawn of a new era of anti-police violence protests. It absolutely is the system because we failed to hold officers accountable for their actions. People came out to the streets and people came out to yell justice for Oscar Grant. They went to BART station. They were demanding that something happen. They were demanding accountability. And there was also a lot of rage. There was a lot of pain. There was a lot of grief. You mentioned how people were demanding accountability, and we know that there was a trial later. But how quickly did the authorities react to 
these demands and what happened? Not quickly enough for a lot of people. You had people like the mayor of Oakland, Ron Dellums, who would you know say that, that it wasn't happening fast enough. Because of a lack of communication over the last several days, people in our community lost faith in the process of the investigation going forward. He called it a pregnant pause. This tremendous silence. And in that vacuum, anger, grief, rage reared its head. Johannes Messerly left Oakland. He went to Nevada, um, he says, because he didn't feel safe. Then, later in January, there was a warrant put out for his arrest. He was charged with murder. Johannes Messerly is in jail in Nevada this morning. He surrendered last night after learning there was an arrest warrant out for him. The protest didn't go away because there was going to be a trial. His family mourns him. They bury him. But another Oscar is sort of emerging, and that is Oscar as a face of the movement, right? Oscar as one of these faces of, of young black men who we will come to recognize almost instinctually. I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how much support, how much love was poured out to myself and my family. It wasn't just African-Americans that was standing up. It was a nation of people that was standing up for the injustice. What, what happened to the BART police officer who killed Oscar Grant, Johannes Messerly? The trial happens in 2010. The trial is, is moved out of Oakland because a judge says basically Messerly can't get a fair trial oh, here because wow. the Bay Area is so amped up, amped up about Oscar Grant, yeah. so amped up about this injustice. So it's moved down to L.A. Time now, 535. Well, later today, Johannes Messerly goes back before a judge in Los Angeles. The, former Bart the family drives back and forth, back and forth, up and down the five. Even when the case was moved, even though they couldn't get in, and they would protest outside, it didn't matter what color Oscar was or what color the people was out there. When they saw the injustice, they stood up for it. And that's what really blessed me. In the summer, he is convicted. Breaking news coming in from California. A former transit police officer who is white has just been convicted in the shooting death of an unarmed black man at a BART train station in Oakland, California. The former BART police officer is trying to win his release on bail while he appeals his involuntary manslaughter conviction. And so with time served, he only ends up in jail for 11 months. His lawyer called it uh, a lunch break. The judge gave him the minimum sentence, just about two years, and then he didn't require that he go to state prison. So it was really more of a, a lunch break than anything else. What was it like talking to the family? Thanks for taking the time to meet with me. I really appreciate it. So I talked to Wanda Johnson, his mom, in Hayward. This is my mom's room. So, um, And she brought me into her house. All the Christmas lights were up, where there's just pictures all over the walls. And then my nieces and nephews, then the grandkids. There's pictures of the family members who have graduated. My mom made this area especially for Oscar over here. And then there's pictures of Oscar. I was proud of him. He was growing up to be a great father, you know, loving his daughter, combing her hair sometime, you know. Uh, 
just spending a lot of time with her. She told me stories. She told me about how Oscar was really loud and funny and how at church as a young kid he would sing when he wasn't supposed to. At church he would be the loudest person singing in the choir. To like the point where she would like put her hand over his mouth. Um, And she told me about um, how proud he was uh, the day his daughter was born. He had this big old sign that says, it's a girl flying on his on um, both sides of the car, and I actually still have the flags. And um, he was so proud of being a father. And she told me, you know, about the second Oscar who gets born, this, the Oscar, the symbol. You know, it, it, it kind of made him belong to everyone. He was everybody's. He had more family members than I ever knew. You know, um, no, people would be saying, you know, that Oscar was their cousin, and he gained a whole Oakland as his family all over the Bay Area. All of a sudden, like, everybody was like, oh, Oscar Grant was my cousin. Oscar Grant was my cousin. Like, everyone in Oakland is all of a sudden Oscar Grant's cousin. <laughs> um, and, you know, in, in some ways it's amazing because that's that's this, like, community of support that, that sustains and buoys her for, like, the next decade. You know, I meet so many people. Oh, my God, you're Oscar's mom. Can I give you a hug? You know, um, she wanted to share love. But she says how sometimes she'll still come home. You know, after hugging people and talking about Oscar, she'll still come home. And she'll still privately mourn her own Oscar. Then I go home and I say, oh, Oscar. You know, and I'll say a couple of things to him. And I know he can't hear, but I'll just say, you know, something to him. And I'll say, well, just come hug me. You know, and I know he can't, but... You know, I, I come home and I grieve it privately. When I hear Oscar Grant's name, I think about Oakland. I think about Fruitvale Station. I think about the video. I have very vivid images in my mind about what happened. And I think about the response. And you've covered a lot of these types of stories. With Oscar Grant's story, what do you think about? I think Oscar's death, because of that video and how haunting it is, um, I think Oscar's death is the nascent beginning of Black Lives Matter, right? Um, I think that after that, we never see police shootings the same way again. Sandia says Wanda Johnson knows other mothers who've lost their sons from police shootings. And in the past, when Wanda's heard about these shootings, she's reached out, connecting these families who've lost kids in a way they weren't connected before. You know, I'm here for you. You have to go through your process, but just know that if you ever need to talk or you ever need to cry or you ever need just me to just listen, I'm here for you. Sandia Dirks covers race and equity for KQED, and Sandia was on KQED's forum program, which talked about the 10th anniversary of the Oscar Grant shooting. And she's also producing a special that's going to be running on the California Report magazine in January. You can find both those programs wherever you get the bay. Also, KQED has been asking people to reflect and to write us about what Oscar Grant has meant to them. You can find a link to those letters in our episode notes or at kqed.org.
So this is our last episode of 2018 for the Bay, and we just want to thank everyone who's joined us in our first year as a KQED show. Vinny, Erica, and I have loved sharing these important stories and conversations with you all, and we look forward to talking to you in the new year. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for the Bay. Talk to you next time. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Dilfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.